If you guys want to uh, look at the scripture today, you can turn to Jonah 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand, also much cattle? Thank you, Forrest. Appreciate that. Well, good morning. Have you ever, have you ever dealt with a child who has thrown a temper tantrum? I have uh, some wonderful neighbors, and they have little children. And just yesterday, they have a beautiful little daughter, and um, they're kind of kitty corner to us. And they, you hear the little daughter, and she's outside, and uh, you hear this, you hear, Daddy. And then you hear it again, Daddy. And then you hear, Daddy! And then she's just screaming, and she's just frustrated, and the, the, the volume is just increasing like you can't believe. Throwing a tantrum. Wasn't getting what she wanted. Wasn't getting her way. Daddy wasn't responding in time or meeting her needs. And so she would yell louder yesterday. Beautiful little girl. You wonder how such a voice comes out of such a small person. It's amazing how we can get angry through a tantrum when we're feeling like our needs aren't being met. There was actually an article in the paper about a boy who sued his parents because his parents were checking his Facebook, and so he sued them for harassment. Don't you dare look at my Facebook and give input onto my Facebook page, and he sued them for harassment, and so they're going to court over this. As we enter into Jonah 4 this morning, Jonah is throwing a hissy fit. And if he could, he would probably sue God for the way his life is turning out. And he'd sue God for harassment. Stop picking on me. And we enter into a scene where Jonah 
is really struggling with the Lord. You wonder why, you wonder why chapter 4 is here as you, as you study the scriptures. And it's interesting, you, you think, you know, if God just wanted to save Nineveh, if that was the purpose of the book of Jonah to show God's saving power, then we would have ended at chapter 3. Because God's doing his work. But there's still more to do. God is really interested in Jonah and his life. And God is interested in saving Jonah and growing him up to be a man of God. And that's what we're going to see this morning. It reminded me of Philippians 1.6. He who began the good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Christ. And that's what God's doing with Jonah. Throwing a hissy fit out in the middle of the desert, upset at God. God is going to complete the work in Jonah. Keep walking alongside of him. So as we come to the end of chapter 4, the end of the book of Jonah, what's, what is the moral of this big fish story that we've been going through? God, in his wonderful grace, has saved the Ninevites. They have repented. Remember, repentance is that turning around. It's not just giving lip service to God, it's, it's changing your life. You were headed this direction, you say, Lord, no, you're calling me this way, I agree with you, I repent, I surrender my life to you, and I follow what you have for me. Because your way is right and true. Nineveh has repented before God. The angels in heaven are having a party over the Ninevites. Just like the scriptures remind us, when one person gives their life to Jesus Christ, the angels rejoice with God in heaven. That's what happened this week with all these little ones who received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The party's still going. And in the middle of this amazing celebration in heaven, we find Jonah, verse 1, angry, angry, angry. It's not, a, it's not a little anger. It's a red-hot, burning, causing you to get to this point where you are trembling. You're so angry. You ever been there? I have at times. And God wants to work with us right in the middle of that. Jonah is hot. And he's upset. And he's in the desert. You know, I found this deal uh, online. And it's uh, these German entrepreneurs, they came up with this thing because they saw people getting angry all the time in Germany. You know, just the language sounds angry, doesn't it? The German language. But people, they just noticed there's a lot of anger going on around them. And so they decided to start this service it's called Schimpflos, and it means to swear away. And basically what you get to do is you get to call up this operator for $2 a minute, and, and you get to just berate them. You get to just swear every cuss word that you want to do at them and just get it all off your chest to this operator 
who listens. And actually, the operators don't, they don't just sit there and just take it. They'll actually do stuff like, is that all you got? I mean, they really get it out of you. And the owners, the owners say, hey, we think this is a much better deal than coming home and, you know, doing this to your wife, you know? It's like, get it off your chest here, and then you're good. And it's very successful. Jonah called up. But he wasn't content there. He's like, I'm going to deal with you, God, in my time. I still got more to say to you, God. And he's angry. You know, the story resonates to me with the prodigal son story in Luke chapter 15. But it's not that Jonah is the prodigal son who ran away. Jonah is the older brother in this story. Jonah is the one who is furious, like the older brother in the prodigal story. That the young brother came home, repented, and that the father is throwing a celebration for the younger brother. And Luke 15, 28, says the older brother became angry, red hot, just like Jonah, quivering hot, and he refused to celebrate that the one who was lost was found. Jonah's angry with God. He's not angry with men. He's not angry with himself. He's angry with holy God. And he says, I'd rather die than live. He just prayed before, Lord, save me from dying. And now he says, I would rather die than live. I'm so angry. Jonah's angry with God because God acted consistently in his character of who God is. Because Jonah knew exactly what God would do. So you picture Jonah, full anger, trembling. I told you so, God. I told you I knew about you and what you would do. I, 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 as though I'm the one in charge here, Jonah responds. I knew. He has lots of head knowledge, Jonah does. He's a prophet of God. And you know, it reminds me a lot of ourselves sometimes. We gather all kinds of biblical head knowledge. We know the character of God. We know what Christ is doing in us. And yet we don't allow it to give us, transform us in heart change. And we don't obey. Lots of head knowledge. But we aren't allowing God to work through us. Transform us. I knew you, God, and I knew your character. I know that you're gracious. I know you're merciful with this idea of compassionate. Now, this is the kicker. I know, God, that, that you are slow to anger. God! I'm angry. I know you're slow to anger. It has, it has that idea of, of, a, of a horse blurring its nostrils. That, oh, that angry face. I know that you are slow to have an angry face and to be angry. I'm not, Jonah's saying. I know you're abounding in love. It's more numerous than we can even count. You're so abundant in love. You're so goody-goody, God. Jonah's just frustrated. He's angry at God. 
So verse 3, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Why would, why would Jonah want to die? What's going on, do you think? You know, as I looked at this passage, I think there's a couple things. I think he may be concerned about his reputation. You know, he went in and said, 40, 40 days and you're going to be destroyed. And all of a sudden, prophecy doesn't come true. That kind of, that's kind of a downer for a prophet. <laughs> yeah, the prophecy wasn't, didn't come out. The other thing is, you know, he may have to go back and face the Israelites. You, Jonah, went in and preached to the Ninevites, our enemy, and you saved them. God showed kindness upon them. He would face an angry crowd. You know, we know throughout Israel, the Israelites weren't very kind to the prophets. When they messed up, they would take them out of the picture. So Jonah's probably sitting there going, I'm done. I'm done. Why, why even bother? Might as well just die. Take me now, God. I'm angry at you, this whole situation. I don't like the Ninevites. I didn't want to do this in the first place. You put me in a fish. You vomited me out. I'm finished. Angry at God. And look what God says in verse 4. Do you have any right, Jonah, to be angry? Think about it, Jonah. Do you really have any right to be angry? God showed grace to the Ninevites. You're angry about that? It should have woken Jonah up to the kindness of God, that, that God's rebuke was gentle, that he's, he's gracious towards Jonah. Here's Jonah yelling at God. I mean, picture your younger child just yelling in your face. How do you respond to that? God's gracious. He's very gentle. It should have opened up Jonah to remember that not only was God gracious to the Ninevites, but to himself. However, the Ninevites actually repented. Jonah is not repenting of his anger, of his sin. Do you have any right to be angry? I think that same question goes to us. Are you angry at God right now? Maybe life is not going as you hoped. And so you blame God constantly. Are you angry at God because things haven't turned out the way you expected? Or that you demanded God to have things turn out? That the blessings that you thought should be poured out upon you because you're living such a righteous life and that's not happening and so you're angry at God? God wants us to release that unto him. He's gentle. You know, God understands our broken humanity. He understands our frustration with life. He's a big God. And he can take our anger at him. But we need to be careful as followers of Jesus Christ, followers of God. This is a holy God we serve. And to put it in his face like that, to take God and take him out of his place of highest honor is not a place to honor God like that. We should be careful. Take your anger to God. Say, God, help me. I'm so angry. I'm fuming angry. 
And would you give me your peace that surpasses all understanding? Father, I release my anger to you. God's ways are not our ways. We don't understand how he's working. And that frustrates us and that angers us. We're angry when all of a sudden there's a tornado and all of a sudden a bunch of little children die. And we, we tend to blame God for those things. And he says, let my love just come upon you, my grace, my gentleness. Don't let anger destroy you. It was doing that to Jonah. It was destroying his soul, really. And God wants Jonah to release it unto him. And so Jonah, in his anger, verse 5, he went outside the city. He went east, outside the city. You know, it's interesting, in the scriptures, you see a lot of times when there's rebellion, disobedience, it's just a direction. They go east. Not all the time, but a lot of times. They went east out of the garden. Uh, and we see it throughout the scriptures. It's just something that's kind of interesting as you look at the scriptures. And so there's kind of a sense of disobedience, the sense of rebellion. He went east, outside the city. And so Jonah, outside the city now, that, that God is doing his work on, and he had proclaimed 40 days, 40 days and God's going to do a destruction. Now we as readers of the scriptures, we go, we go, the Lord is doing his work. We got, the, we got the bigger picture. The Lord's doing his work with the Ninevites, changing hearts, they're repenting. Jonah's outside the city, and I think he goes outside the city before the 40 days is up. And I think, I think he's somewhat hopeful that maybe, maybe God's going to still put on a fireworks show, you know? He sets up his little shelter, it's like, all right, God, bring it on, the hail and brimstone. I prophesied 40 days. And he's totally angered that God did not put on the fireworks show. As he sits in his little hut that's supposed to bring him shade. 40 days had passed. And I was thinking about, I was thinking about this whole city who has repented and turned their hearts to God. And what an incredible missed opportunity. What a missed opportunity to now train up these children of God in his ways. Jonah's I want nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Don't put me in that place. You know, I just want to thank those of you who were involved with VBS because you heard God's call. And you know, one of the beautiful things, and it's just really been a heartbeat of mine, and I know for us as elders, we're really trying to think this through, but, you know, here we are, Cole Community Church. We have this, we have this immediate community around us. And what many of you did is you went, you said, hey, we want you to hear the gospel of Jesus. This beautiful opportunity that God prepared in advance for you to walk into. And you stepped in and you ministered. And they came to know Christ and now we're going to grow them up in Christ. An opportunity that wasn't missed. Because you listened to the Lord and you responded in obedience. We could have missed it. But I think God's Spirit really prompted us. And I just thank you for your response to the Holy Spirit.
Because there's people who are hungry for truth and they need life all around us. Jonah missed it. Didn't want anything to do with it. Made this feeble shade and it was terrible. And so he's sitting out in the desert. And then we see God and his just kindness and his gentleness and his grace be poured out. Really a bunch of miracles. God's kind provision. And it's interesting, you're going to see, if, if you go back through this whole book, you're going to see God providing often. He actually, the scriptures say he provided a big fish. Provided that. That's, that's God's miracle work and grace. And what, what, out of that big fish, he saved Jonah. Jonah would have died in the water. Fish that was provided came. And even though it was gross that he vomited him out, he saved him. I remember last week, death, really, to Jonah, and then resurrection. Jonah is a type of Christ as he preaches to the Ninevites. God provides, verse 6, look at this. The Lord provided a vine for Jonah. You know, it's, it's this, this, this beautiful shade covering for Jonah. The Lord provides it for him. And, and offers it to him. Beautiful grace. But Jonah remains persistent in his anger, upset at God for what he's doing with the Ninevites. And what we're going to see is that God really is going to expose the root of the heart of Jonah, the problem, and what's going on. As he provides this plant to save him, to shade him. You know, the, the scriptures say, Jonah, Jonah is so comforted, he's so happy over this vine, over this plant. It's the only place we see in the book of Jonah that Jonah's happy over a branch that provides some shade. It's not even a little happy. It's like he's ecstatic over the tree loves that branch. And God caused it to grow. He offered him grace. But then look at verse 7. And the Lord provided, provided a worm to eat the vine at the root. And he chewed on it. And so his happiness is short-lived. Now, all of a sudden, he just gets in a darker place. Jonah's so attached to that, to that vine, that shade, that tree. He just loves that tree. And now he's devastated over the tree. It seems, it seems that he's so connected to the, to the vine. It seems to me that Jonah would be more connected to the worm. The worm that eats away. And he eats and causes destruction and death. Because that's exactly what Jonah wanted for the people of God that God loved. I want him to be destroyed. All Jonah cares about right now is his tree. God provides the worm. 
You know what? The worm is still grace. And I think that's what we miss sometimes. The worm is still God's grace. What's it doing? It's exposing Jonah's heart. It's exposing all that's going on, this ugliness in Jonah's heart, so that he would turn to God and realize his sin and repent and draw back near to God. That's grace. You think, God, that's awfully mean to send a worm. Oh, no, it's not. You see, we, we always live in this mindset that God is, is so concerned about our happiness And he's not. He loves to bless us. He loves to bring you joy. But that's not his focus. His focus is our holiness. That we are growing as men and women in Christ. That we are being conformed into his image. That we are maturing as saints. That we are knowing God on a deeper level. That we are living our lives for him. That's what he's concerned about. Not about a tree that provides shade. You see, that shade wasn't moving Jonah any closer to God, was it? It wasn't. And so God took it away. God provided it. He took it away. But he provided that worm. And he provides this east wind. You know, Jonah wanted the Ninevites scorched. And he felt the heat of that. Kill me, God. Take me out. I can't take it anymore. And verse 9, once again, do you have any reason, Jonah, that you're angry? What is going on with you? Why are you so angry? And you would expect at this point, right, the shade is gone, his, his most beloved tree the worm has eaten that. The hot sun is coming on him. And you would expect when God in his gentleness says, Jonah, do you have any right to be angry with me? He would go, Lord, oh, forgive me. That's what I anticipated in the story. Forgive me. I have been such an idiot. I've just been kicking against you, God. And, and I just really, I just don't get it, what you're doing. But Lord, you're Lord. And I, I want to learn to trust your ways. But that's not the response, is it? The response is, yes, I have every right to be angry at you, God. Kill me. I'm done. Boy, Jonah's heart is exposed in an incredible way. Yes, I'm angry. Angry enough to die. You picture the older brother in the story of the prodigal. How dare you, Father, provide this celebration for this son of yours who wasted his money on prostitutes and squandered everything. You, God, never did anything for me, Father, ever. You didn't even give me a goat. I've served you all my life. And you haven't blessed me at all. 
you are not living up to what your requirements are as a father, that you should bless me. It's the same picture with Jonah. How dare you, God? God has the final word. Look at verse 10. It kind of reminds me of God speaking to Job when Job's attacking God for why do you let this stuff happen to me? It's kind of like, Job, just shh, be quiet. Let me tell you what it's all about. Listen to the word of the Lord. And he's speaking this to us. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this silly plant. Basically saying, you've had compassion on this plant. Though you did not tend it, you didn't make it grow, it sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And should I not have concern, compassion for that great city, Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their left hand from their right? Basically, they're living in darkness. They don't have any life. They don't know my grace and my love. And you have no compassion for them, but you have compassion over a plant. Basically saying, Jonah, your eyes, your focus are on the wrong things. And I think that same thing is for us. What are we so drawn to, compassionate about? All of our energy is focused on when you, we've got people, and it really is a conviction for me, and I know it is for you, and it's not a guilt trip, but it, it's a question for us as followers of Christ. Is our attention and our compassion for all these other things, you know, we get a, a scratch on our car, and we're so angered by that. And it's like, oh, my car, my beautiful car. But your next door neighbor is going to die and go straight to hell because they have no knowledge of Jesus Christ. Trust me, I'm in the same boat. It's like, Lord, give me your heartbeat because you have a compassion for those who are lost and don't know their left hand from their right. And Father, forgive me for my attention over a plant that that's where my heart is drawn to. We see an area of connection for Jonah and God, and we see it's compassion. God's compassion is for people and their lost souls. Jonah is for his plant. Jonah has compassion for a plant. He didn't even invest in it. God created you and me. His investment is full force in us. And so our investment in people and their lives and caring about them is where God wants us to have compassion. Jonah has compassion because the plant died. God has compassion because the Ninevites, without the knowledge of truth and of a loving God, they're going to die. Jonah, you care that your plant died? You didn't even provide it. You have no investment in it. I'm the one who did everything, and that's what's drawing your heart. 
And Jonah's so self-focused, the compassion is on what the plant provided him. While it provided him shade, happiness, it was good. Jonah had compassion on himself, while God's compassion is for others. Why did God provide this plant? What's the story behind the plant? What's the moral of this big fish story? You know, we've seen that Jonah has been selfish. We've seen, Aaron taught us that, that Jonah wanted grace just for himself. We've seen that. And it's true. But I think as we see what's going on with the plant and just Jonah's life, I think what we're going to find, the big point of this whole fish story, is that Jonah cannot handle the nature of grace. Can't handle the nature of it. Grace is offensive to him. that this type of love is being poured out to people, that grace, unmerited favor, nothing I did, none of my works, none of my my efforts to earn God's kindness and, and love upon me, nothing in and of myself. Yet God pours out unmerited favor, grace. Jonah can't stand it. It has to be something that I've done to earn this. It has to be something that you owe me, God. You see, the recipients of grace, when you realize it, recipients of grace realize they're unworthy. Jonah, the Israelites, they don't want to be viewed as unworthy. I deserve this grace. I deserve this tree that provided shade. You owe it to me, God. You can't handle the nature of grace. That God would pour out amazing love and forgiveness. Grace is distributed, it's unmerited, it's bestowed upon whoever God wants to bestow it upon. Exodus 33 says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. How did you react to the Supreme Court case allowing homosexual marriage? Really, how did you react? You get angry at a lot of things, I think. Man, Lord, why do, you, why do you put these people in authority who make these decisions? Man, Lord, the homosexual community is just taking a voice and it's just changing our culture. It's so opposite of what you intended for marriage. Lord, just wipe all that out. It's just evil. Sometimes you go to that place. brother of mine put on Facebook yesterday. He said this is, he's at a church in San Francisco. 
So I just want to show you how we spent uh, Pride Week in San Francisco. Out in front of their church. It was really hot in the city this last week. And they're out just handing out Bibles, just talking to homosexuals and lesbians about the love of God. Because God's grace is poured out upon that community who for many of them don't know their left hand from their right. They don't know God's intention for marriage. They don't realize that God loves them that much. That he offers life, real life. Grace is radical. And I guarantee you God's pouring out his grace into that community because he wants them to be known. He wants them to know him. The goal of grace, the purpose that it's given, is not for happiness, but for holiness, to bring us into fellowship with God. And oftentimes we see the means of grace that are poured out when we resist that, especially as children of God. The means of grace can be very painful. The worm is provided. The scorching heat comes. You see, God's in covenant relationship with us. That means when we enter into relationship with God, God doesn't break that relationship. You may choose to rebel, run away. God's saying, ah, you're my child. Do you let a runaway child just like, see you later, son, hope it works out for you? Do you? Absolutely not. Because that's my son. And so are you, his child. And sometimes there's painful times. Grace, the means of grace, are sometimes hard. I provided a fish. That's not the greatest way to draw you back to myself. That's not really comfortable. And it vomited you out on the beach. I'm drawing you back. I saved you. You're still struggling. You're still kicking against me. I need you to see who I am. Jonah, us. The means of grace, when we kick against God like this, is sometimes painful. But God pours out his grace. You see, if God was going to be just with Jonah... What do we expect in the story? And this is actually what we get frustrated with in the story. Here's Jonah talking to God like this. What do you expect? I expect fireworks on Jonah. That God is just going to zap him with lightning. Wouldn't that be just? God, you, Jonah, you choose to just bail? Kick against me? You deserve death. I give you life. I give you grace. Jonah doesn't know how to handle grace. It was offensive to him. And because grace is required only by the undeserving, and Jonah is unwilling to admit that he is undeserving, there must be a way that I can merit this. How do you get to a place where you're so angry at God that he saved the Ninevites? You get angry at God because he saved the Ninevites because you think that that grace wasn't deserved. 
And Jonah's at a place, when that plant grew up, I deserve this plant. That's how you get angry at God. When you think, I deserve this grace. And the root problem with Jonah is this self-righteousness. I must merit favor. It must happen in my way. Grace is only by what I do for you, God. And you owe me big time. It's amazing how we say we can control God and tell him how to bless us and where he needs to bless us. Like, God, did you forget I walked the old lady across the street? Where's my blessing? As though God works that way. Jonah has forgotten how God poured grace upon him. Jonah has forgotten how God poured grace upon the Israelites. He says in Deuteronomy 7, You are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord God has chosen you, Israelites, to be a people for his own possession. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, God chose the Israelites. Loving kindness has been poured out. God's grace is so massive and abundant and poured out to the undeserving. Jonah should have recognized it, and we should too, as it was poured out to Jonah. He should have been blasted. And Jonah typifies Israel, who is rebelling against God. He typifies Israel, who wants God to bless them because they are his chosen people. How dare you bring anybody else into the family? They didn't deserve it. We do. The end of the story doesn't end nicely, does it? You know, you would hope, as you read the end of this story, that it would be this wonderful hug and forgiveness and love and tenderness. But the end of the story leaves us with Jonah angry, just like the prodigal, the older brother and the prodigal. The end of the story leaves us open-ended. Anger not dealt with. Anger at God because he can't handle grace, the nature of grace. The older brother couldn't handle the fact that the father would offer grace to the son who did all of these things against him. Couldn't handle the nature of grace. And sometimes we can't. We can't in ourselves handle it. God, how dare you pour that out onto the homosexual community? How dare you pour it out on these people over here who live in the bar? Can't handle the nature of grace. And the story leaves us at a stalemate. And I pray right now, if you're a stalemate with God, that you would sit with him and say, God, forgive me. I want to learn to trust and I want to surrender and I want to understand your grace. And forgive me, Father, when I don't offer that. I don't receive it. And just like the end in Malachi, it's where Israelite, Israelites are at with God as we have 400 years of silence. What does it end? 
God says, I have loved you. And the Israelites say this, how have you loved us, God? And they're at a stalemate with God because they will not receive grace. Let's pray. Father, your grace is so overwhelming that we can't even wrap our arms around it. And Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, that we would receive your grace that is poured out onto us, that we would recognize where grace is given, even when it comes in the form of a worm. And Father, we want to repent and turn around from our ways that are not of you. Father, forgive us when we think that your grace is not sufficient for those who are lost and don't know their left hand from their right, and that we get angry at you when you offer grace to these sinners when we don't take a look at ourselves. Father, I pray for us, Cole Community Church. May we receive your grace with a thankful heart. And Father, as we have received your grace, would we freely pour out your grace to a world, to a community that does not know its left hand from its right. And Father, take our eyes off the plant and put our eyes on the hearts of people. In your beautiful and precious name we pray. Amen.